All right, welcome in to another episode, R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I am A.J. Hoffman, joined as always by Griffin Warner. Griffin, how goes it, man? Uh, you know, A.J., glad to hear that, as always, I'm joining you because this has not been a great stretch. Start of 2022 has uh, made me wish for 2023, but it's a <laughs> marathon, not a sprint, friends. So uh, let's let's kick it into gear. Yeah, uh, another week where our best bets struggle. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, play with caution. We said that a couple weeks ago. Really, with that was for COVID reasons, but God knows why. But I mean, maybe even when it's not COVID, maybe we just we're struggling, man. And at some point, you got to turn it around. But uh, I will say, I was. This was probably the most painful loss for one of my best bets yet where Texas A&M had a 17-point second-half lead oh. 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 and had to win the game on a buzzer beater and, of course, not cover against a, a Georgia team that has no business coming back from any kind of deficit. So I was pretty frustrated. Um, and honestly, I got, after that was one of those nights where I, I bet five games and that was the only one I lost. And I still felt sick because obviously that's what we're giving out here on the podcast, which is, uh, you know, obviously where we want to win. But we, I did bet on uh, Iowa State yesterday uh, and and they got there for me, which was nice. I also bet on some SWAT game, uh, which didn't go my way. So uh, you, you win some, you lose some, I suppose. We just need to start making sure we're picking the right ones for the pod. Well, let's look at the big games this week. And there's a big one in the Big 12. Kansas, we're going to project about minus three at Texas Tech. And I think, you know, I mentioned the Iowa State game. You got to give credit where it's due. Texas Tech fought to the bitter end in a game at Hilton where they were down double digits at halftime. And it felt like, well, they could just roll over here and Iowa State's going to keep rolling. And, and Texas Tech fought, fought, fought. And I think the thing that's missing for Tech right now, and it, I think it was the thing that was missing in the Gonzaga game, is not having Terrence Shannon is just killing that offense. They they don't get spacing. They they it's one fewer shooter. It's one fewer finisher, and he I mean, he's just there. He's kind of their best guy. And Malik Wilson, who who's also out, he had like a knee surgery. So now they don't really have anybody to to run the offense. Is what it feels like. And Wilson certainly out, but Shannon's a question mark in this game. I, I think this is another example of and we talk about this with Texas with what Chris Beard's doing and this uh, this most of this schedule was set by Chris Beard for Texas Tech you're not seeing a team who ha- is battle tested by the time they get to conference play like they, they've they've played four games against pretty solid competition top 50 Ken Palm competition they're they're one and three in those games but they've played more games against Ken Palm teams that are outside the top 300 so they've had a few good ones in there but everything else is just bottom of the barrel beat up on teams. So when you match up against teams with guys who, let's just, for lack of a better term, just have better players than you, they're not really, they're not able to do what they're, what they're able to do against these other teams. I think Kansas might be another example of that. And can't, I mean, not like Kansas has played some super schedule either, but they've, they've mostly hovered in like the mid one hundreds with most of their competition on Ken Palm, mostly solid, not spectacular teams. The times that they've stepped up against power six talent, though, they've, they've kicked into high gear. They've got wins against Michigan state, St. John's Mizzou and Oklahoma state. Those four wins 
by an average of 20 points per game. And I think Tech is better than all of those teams, save maybe Sparty. But Kansas having the shooting that they haven't had in years past, that's always been kind of the knock on on Bill Self teams is they, you know, they do a lot of things right, but they just don't have a guy who can hit outside shots. And they've got that right now. I think that might be what's making this team feel more dangerous to me. The matchup, uh, the historical matchup between Bill Self and Texas Tech, 23 to 23 and five, Bill Self against Texas Tech. And obviously, Tech's most recent uh, success has come in the last couple of years. So they've been on a different level. I'm sure the home crowd will be amped for this, although I don't know what home crowds look like nowadays in, in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, it's the first time a a competent opponent has come into Lubbock this year. So typically those are the games that fans get up for when they see someone whose, whose jerseys they recognize instead of Bethune Cookman or something like that. So I would assume that they'll be up for it. I just think that Kansas is on a higher level than really anyone in the big 12, not named Baylor. So I am leaning pretty heavy to the Jayhawks here. What do you think? Remind me of uh, the AJ Hoffman Swami projection on this one. Kansas, I'm I'm saying minus three. Ken Pump saying minus two. I'm I'm or minus one actually. I'm being I'm leaning a little towards Kansas taking some money here. Yeah, I think that's where we both were thinking about the, where the number was anyway. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a big game for Texas Tech in terms of the crowd. Uh, I'm not sure that my crowd handicapping has been perfect or flawless to start the season, but uh, living in the great state of Texas with uh, Governor Abbott's rules, um, there's definitely going to be no holding back on attendance. Um, and I, But I got to say, every year, the Kansas Jayhawk fans, they travel unlike any team ever because I'm very used to hearing Rock Chalk Jayhawk in the background in Austin. Uh, we got a couple wins while I was there, and I went to a couple games as after graduation. But uh, – they're everywhere. Um, they know that they go and they, they expect to win. As a three-point favorite, I, I think that's uh, about right. Um, I don't really even have a lean there, I don't think. I think, gun to my head, I'm playing the home dog, believe it or not. Um, but it's really hard to say that without knowing what the COVID situation is going to look like for Texas Tech or just the injury situation. It sounded like, I think, seven healthy players. Uh, incredible fight. I'm glad that you got a cover in because a good friend of mine uh, certainly didn't at the four-and-a-half number. Uh, which even was a pretty good one because I think it closed higher than that. But the late bank shot three was uh, what dreams are made of uh, or otherwise. Uh, and, and, you or, know, or crushed by. Yeah, yeah. I, we've all had some of those, especially the bank three, like guy loses the ball and, and then all, throws one up. And it's much better chance of than actually taking a clean three that they weren't going to defend. Um, but, you know, I, I think Texas Tech, their defense is just so real. Um, but the issue then, as you mentioned, is how they score the basketball and missing Terrence Shannon, who is, I think, their lottery draft pick possibility. Um, they've got some some talent there. I, I'm a little disappointed with O'Banner, the Oral Roberts, Roberts transfer, easy for me to say, who hasn't really been able to, I, I think, find a foothold yet in that team. I thought he'd come in right away, start right away and be one of their stretch forwards who could make threes and it doesn't seem like he really wants to get off the bench as, as much as I was expecting uh, but kind of had to in this game against Iowa State because they didn't have enough bodies uh, I think their defense only gets better with Santos Silva on the floor and he played a ton because he had to uh, but it seemed to me he was kind of out of the rotation against the better competition that they played so far this season um, and I think from from where I look at Texas Tech is they're a defensive team that's going to make it really hard on Kansas. As you mentioned, Osh Oshai Obaji is an incredible three-point shooter that 
isn't really something Kansas has been known for, or at least wasn't because they were really a, a two post type of big men type of team. And you got to credit Bill Self for kind of adapting to what basketball has become. And I think he's, his best teams have been the three point uh, shooting teams. I'm not sure that this is a great one in that regard, uh, but Abaji is the best player on the floor. I don't even know if Terrence Shannon does play what that looks like because back injuries just seem to flare up. And considering how long he's been out, I'm not expecting a lot from him. Um, so I, I guess us on our projection at, at three, uh, I'll have a little bit of interest to Texas Tech. I imagine that I even might climb higher depending on what the availability of some of the players are there. Um, but I think I've I've gone on a lot about a game that I'm not sure I'm going to play. Well, I, you saw in the, the game against Oklahoma State, Bill Self said we want to get more mobile down low, and he started Mitch Lightfoot uh, in the post. And, you know, he's six foot eight. He's a, he's a decent size, but not like one of the, the giants, not David McCormack, who is, yep. is the guy that he set for him, which is interesting because McCormack's been pretty good for them. A great rebounder. And it feels like they're willing to give up a little bit uh, on the glass to have more versatility on offense. Yeah, I think Lightfoot is like my age. I think he's 33 or something like that. He's been there for <laughs> uh, so long, I can't even tell you. Um, and like, I think redshirted and then COVID redshirt doesn't count year or whatever. Bizarre, bizarre. But uh, definitely he's the the kind of glue guy that a lot of these good teams really need. Cause it's kind of funny. If you got five great players, you're a national championship contender, but really I think you only need four at this level and one guy just to hustle and really make the the big plays. And, and that's what he does. Um, doesn't really get thanked a lot for it. And maybe that way that you do those rotations with McCormick coming off the bench is that he can then kind of face a little bit more of a tired big man or something like that. Um, but yeah, KU, you know, they're just a really tough team to fade in general. I think uh, a lot of uh, money is, is made by just watching those games happen and figuring out other plays elsewhere. All right, let's go to the big 10 for a team that man, Michigan, you'd have to say has been one of the most disappointing teams in the country based on preseason predictions. Uh, we'll go with, we'll project Michigan minus two hosting Michigan State. I may be way off on this. Like, obviously, Michigan's not been good lately. The analytics still like Michigan. I'm I'm not sure that the market is going to. So I don't know what this number is going to be exactly. But, like, the, the scary thing about Michigan's losses is they're not even really competitive in these games. And there's some – like, some of the losses on the road you can forgive. But losing at home to Minnesota by double digits – when basically no one in the Big Ten loses at home is kind of alarming. And this is, I mean, this was like the number two team in Ken Palm coming into the season. This was a highly respected team coming into the year. And they've been a wild, wild disappointment. And Michigan State, on the other hand, they've, they've handled basically everybody but the, the elite teams that they played. They got beat by Baylor. They got beat by Kansas. Other than that, they have handled their business. So the question becomes, what's the truth of Michigan? Is Michigan as elite as the the, the roster says they should be? Or are they what we've seen so far, which is just sort of a disjointed team? I guess Memphis is the other team you'd put into that conversation of, of biggest disappointment because they've got a ton of talent they're not putting together either. I guess I, I don't think they're any less talented than they were coming into the year I, my worry about Michigan State is what it always is. They they're too sloppy with the ball. They turn the ball over too much. Same thing that was that haunted them last year. This feels like a game where Michigan should be able to force some turnovers. 
and maybe get this season turned around into what it should be after losing three out of the last four. If they can't do it here, I certainly think it's kind of, it's time to push the panic button on Michigan. What do you think? I've already pushed it to be to be frank. Uh, I've been playing against them quite a bit. Uh, one of the few winners at the real underscore G Warner uh, this week was was playing Rutgers as a home dog, uh, and that was pretty uh, cut and dry from from the beginning. Um, not a lot of my picks have been from there, so uh, I got to ex- at least celebrate one of them. Um, but you know. I think actually looking at this number and looking at this game, I think it's a Michigan only type of lean for me, unless this number continues to climb from the, I think two we were talking about. Uh, But I don't really see that happening based on their form and how they've been playing. Um, I just, I think Michigan, we've, we've figured them out. Uh, They were, they had really bad splits, I think without Isaiah livers on the floor last season. And he was the stretch four that really made, I think Hunter Dickinson much more effective in on the interior because they could spread the floor and you couldn't double him because he could pass it out. And then there's three points on the board instead of his normal two. I think it's been really tough sledding for Dickinson, who I was surprised to come back instead of going to the NBA right away. And I wonder how much he's hurt his stock actually. I think he's hurt it tremendously. And you mentioned livers, but I also think uh, Wagner being gone hurts him as well because like you, I mean, you basically said we're leaving you here alone with the, the, the two best players leaving you. Like, you can't imagine he's going to be better this year than he was last year, and he he certainly hasn't been. Yeah, I think the big problem is is they don't have a lot surrounding him, a lot of youth, and and I mean that happens, and I'm sure it was a a big time boon for Jawan Howard to get him to stay because this might have been an even worse Michigan team, and maybe without him, uh, people would have caught up to to them not being kind of what they'd expect, but they've been a road favorite like so much this year that it's kind of inexplicable at this point. Um, in, in terms of this matchup though, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm a believer yet in Michigan state. I feel like, as you mentioned, they've taken care of business. They've beaten the teams on their schedule that they should have. Uh, but I'm not that impressed really with uh, the rest of the games kind of wins that they should have had. And, and, and I don't know if, if I'm really a, a true believer in them, as you mentioned turnovers, which are a really big problem for any team, um, cause they usually lead to points at the other end or at best, they're just going to end up in no points on, on your side and not even a shot or a chance at drawing a foul. Um, I just, you know, in terms of where to think about going in this game, I think it's one of those prove where we got to see that Michigan can compete with a rival. That's a, a, a good program with a big crowd behind them. If, if they can't win this game, I mean, it's, it certainly isn't an easy one by any means. Michigan state are, is, is very talented and certainly Tom Izzo is, the, the king of like looking terrible in the first half and coming back to win a game straight up in the second half. But um, I just, I don't know what to say about Michigan until they start making shots. And, and if they can't do it at home, I just, I'm really looking forward to going against them as much as possible. I don't know if this is the right spot for it, but if you're one of those play the streaks, cause they only end once, I can't blame you. Cause uh, Michigan have been paying the other side quite a bit. All right, let's go to the West Coast Conference for our next one. I think this is a good one, and I think you and I are going to have some sort of different takes on it. Uh, we're looking at St. Mary's around four, four and a half uh, at BYU. Why don't you lead us off? Because I'd love to to hear where you're going with it. Okay, both these teams are coming off a long pause. Neither one of them has played a game in 2022, although BYU plays tonight, which I do think is an edge. They're, they're playing Pacific, which is probably the perfect warm-up game for them. Uh, but I'm high on St. Mary's, particularly as an underdog. And I, I think this matchup, particularly in the paint, is great 
for St. Mary's. BYU, as, as they're currently built with injuries, things like that, they don't have an answer for Matthias Toss. And before the break, we saw a change in the offense. And this kid, oh, I'm going to butcher his name, Augustus Marcellonis, who was like the number one European recruit for college basketball this year, went to St. Mary's. He's been playing high-level Euro ball for the last three years, as they do. They like basically drop out of high school and play European basketball. Uh, but they moved him into the starting lineup, and uh, they benched Tommy Cousy, uh, who's like a senior. You would, it, it's very odd to see a senior point guard get benched at a place like St. Mary's. But it's not like and and Marcelonis hasn't really like blown up offensively. But what he has done is he sped up their pace. And St. Mary's, who's typically sort of a slow it down half court team, which not that they're they're going to change that identity completely, but they're running at a, a faster tempo. They're getting quicker shots and better looks. And Kuzi coming off the bench has played his two best games of the year. So for whatever reason, he's been sort of the instant offense off the bench now. So I, I like the way that they're doing things with this by making that switch. I think when you get a recruit like that. At some point, you've got to take the chance and see what he could do because you're probably not going to have a kid like that forever. My guess is he's he's gone to the NBA eventually, so you want to get you want to get what you can out of him and and maybe get the next guy to come to St. Mary's. But I so I think it's a great move. And then the loss against San Diego State, I felt like was really fluky. San Diego State shot seventy percent from three in that game. BYU is not going to shoot seventy percent from three. The Colorado State shot fifty five percent from three when they beat St. Mary's. So BYU is not going to do that. They're not going to attempt to do that. I, I think this St. Mary's team is better. I mean, they've got three losses, so it's not like they've got a, a an awful record. But I think they're better than their record says they are right now. So I like St. Mary's getting points here at BYU. So uh, I'm not one to ever uh, dismiss a, a lean, uh, especially when you're getting more of the possession, because I, I – I feel like it's really hard to win any sporting event by more than a possession. And that's probably why I play so many underdogs or at least try to. Um, so I'm definitely not going to dismiss that idea. And and I'm also really impressed by your pronunciation. I didn't know you had Lithuanian blood in you. Um, Thank but you. Usually it's pretty easy for St. Mary's because they're all Aussies and it's just some sort of British name that um, talks a little bit differently or whatever. But, you know, I, I think what I see from St. Mary's is a strong team that's played a really tough schedule and credit for them for that. Though BYU have certainly not exactly sat home and, and played the, the sisters of the blind by any means. But um, from what I see St. Mary's as, and certainly they've beaten me a couple times this year. I, I remember a heartbreaker at Utah State where they had a big comeback. Um, they're a defense and pace and they're going to make it really hard because they're really tough inside. They have big men that are really tough, really physical. And it seems to me that they do get a fairly good whistle, even if they're on the road, which is kind of surprising to me because that's usually, uh, how college basketball is decided by home refs really, uh, in the really tight ones. I can't believe that Iowa state call last night, either, uh, uh, (laughs) The elbow on a three-point shot that was called an offensive foul when the guy was in the cylinder, which they literally made that rule for that reason. But I digress. Um, I think just from, from talking about BYU, and, and I do, I'm not as high on them as I was early in the season because I think they're limited in their shooting ability. Uh, but playing games at the Marriott Center is is a really, really huge, huge benefit. And I think that I'm going to really be looking to see if there is a lot of love from the market on 
St. Mary's that might pick that or push that number down a little bit towards that minus three is usually my go price, I think, on BYU at home. Um, There's definitely some flaws in that team. I I wish they shot the three better, but I think they can handle the toughness of St. Mary's on the interior. So um, that's the way I'd lean it. It's really hard for me to want to go against BYU at home in front of uh, the crazed fan base that they have, because uh, that's literally what they live for. Um, but, you know, I, I can't blame you for wanting to take more than the possession, and that's probably where I'll start looking at it if it gets that low. All right. The college football title game is on the way. The NFL playoffs are about to begin, and pregame.com has you covered for all the big games. The handicappers over here at pregame are working hard, man. And right now you can save 20% on any site purchase. Simply use a coupon code TITLE20 for your 20% savings. Pregame.com has daily, weekly, monthly, seasonal pick packages. When you're making a purchase, enter that coupon code TITLE20 for your 20% savings. Don't miss out on the big games. Buy, win, and save at pregame.com. Once again, that coupon code TITLE20. Pregame.com, a great place for sports bettors. All right, let's get into best bets because my best bet this week comes on one of our four big games. And it's a game uh, with one uh, one team we've talked about several times this podcast, one team that I don't think we've touched on yet in UConn. So I'm, I'm my best bet is Seton Hall minus two hosting Connecticut. And this, I don't know what this number is going to be, to be honest. Uh, like you projected, Connecticut would be favored. I don't have a great feel for this one because Connecticut's been on such a long pause. I don't know how the how the the line makers are going to to basically account for that. But these are teams that I feel like under normal circumstances, I would love this. I would think this is a very fair line. I, I think these teams are very close. And if you say you're giving Hall, you know, a, a couple points for home court, I'd say that that seems about fair to me. I think with the situations that they're currently in, UConn hasn't played in three weeks, and they're going up against a Seton Hall team that's already gone through their shutdown back in mid-December. They already dealt with kind of shaking off the rust in those losses to Providence and Villanova. I also think in hindsight, there's no shame in the fact that Nova beat Hall at home because I think Nova, we saw now, they're back to being the kings of the Big East. Whatever you thought, oh, Villanova, they're they're not that good wrong Villanova's good um but the Pirates kind of got back on the right track this week and it was against Butler mind you but it was a double digit Big East road win and those are not easy to come by unless you're playing DePaul in conference so that's a strong accomplishment to me these teams match up well they split the season series last year I think they'll do that again but given that UConn's coming off this long break I think Seton Hall has a pretty clear advantage here at home. Yeah, you know, um, really good to see Ike Obiagu back in the lineup at uh, Butler. And and I wouldn't dismiss Butler as a ho-hum win. I mean, uh, a Big East road win is tough to get. Hinkle Fieldhouse is a tough tough spot to play. I think the the talent level or quality of Butler is certainly not the same it was in the uh, Brad Edwards or Brad Stevens, excuse me, or the Chris Holtman eras. But um, they're, they're a solid road win. Uh, and I think, like you said, coming off pauses, you need to get games under your belt. Cause we saw, unfortunately my best bet, uh, last night with Florida, who was leading Alabama for a long time and then basically ran out of legs halfway through the second half and then couldn't come back. Um, that was fun. 
But, you know, I, I think from what I look at with UConn, and they certainly have an injury issue potentially with Sonogo inside, uh, has, a, I think, a hamstring problem. So that's a, that's an issue for a big guy that has been injured and kind of in and out of the lineup all season. I think UConn's three-point shooting is their biggest uh, bugaboo. And unfortunately, not playing for a while, it's hard to really have your three-point shot as efficient as you'd want it to be. Because I think that's the first thing that really goes when you've had some rust. Um, Seton Hall, I, I like Kevin Willard quite a bit. He's, he's grown as a coach in my mind and that team is pretty, pretty strong. Uh, I think they're pretty talented and, you know, UConn is pretty big in the New York area. So I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty good atmosphere because the Seton Hall fans are going to know they need to show up in, in droves. Yeah. All right. Where are you going for your best bet? I'm going to go to uh, a little bit off the radar, I guess, relatively, but I guess they have an ESPN deal, so not too far. You can certainly catch it on one of the ESPN Plus networks. If you don't have it, buy it. Um, but you don't, you don't have to go on Stadium? <laughs> hey, you know, Stadium actually shows up on TV. I, the Pac-12 network is uh, forcing me to listen to games on radio. So That's um, your nemesis, the yeah, Pac-12 yeah, network. Yeah. yeah, I've tried every way to try to hack my way in, and uh, someone's got a <laughs> – a tip hit me at the real underscore G Warner and I will uh, make it worth your while. Um, but anyway, so East Carolina's my, we're, we're expecting the AJ Swami put it out there at plus five. Uh, I think anything above a possession is, is of great interest to me. They're visiting temple uh, kind of a sleepy spot in my opinion, because temples crowds haven't really done it. Uh, and temples coming off a pretty big win. So um, off uh, East Carolina coming straight off a of pause, of course, got one game under their belt, went to OT against Tulane, uh, was a lean of mine, couldn't play it because I was a little worried about what they'd look like off the pause. Um, but ultimately, they're a team filled with, uh, I think, some high major transfers that you've seen around at like a million different programs. Um, Vance Jackson has been at UConn at New Mexico, uh, probably two other places, and then probably considering another one for the next year. Uh, and I think I think Joe Dooley, uh, a coach that came over from Florida Gulf Coast, uh, took over for Andy Enfield. I, I was a little surprised about what he would kind of look like, but I, I think he's corralling a pretty good group. And I think they're going to on the road to a Temple team coming off a, a big win against UCF on the road, which is pretty impressive. But uh, I'm not a believer in who they are. I think that they are one of those teams that, that really is going to want to play a, a kind of an up-tempo or really more of a, just a frazzled game. I'm not even sure that tempo is what, what explains it. Uh, yeah, there's pretty slow in tempo based on, on the advanced metrics. But I don't think they have a lot of really cohesion to how they play or really know what they're doing. And I think the ECU, uh, I wish they hadn't gone on a COVID pause because they were. I was looking to back them as much as I could during conference play. And I just think the number that you're projecting and that I was thinking is, is way higher than I would expect. So uh, looking for ECU to, to hang within a number. Uh, I'll probably play it first half, but that's probably a good sign for anyone playing full game because I've had plenty of those first half covers or first half losers and, and full game covers or even straight up winners, as as you certainly know. All right, guys, got to tell you about what we got going at pregame.com. The college football title game is on the way. The NFL playoffs are almost ready to begin, and pregame.com has you covered for all the big games. The handicappers here at pregame have been working hard, and right now you can save 20% on any site purchase. Simply use the coupon code TITLE20 for your 20% savings. All right, that'll do it for another episode for us, Griffin. Uh, great information. And hopefully this, you know, listen, that's, that's what we all we can hope to do is when we don't give you the best bet winners, we hope that some of the other information works for you. You mentioned the Iowa State game. 
and how if you got a late number, it didn't work. So hopefully you, you were listening. Hopefully you got on the early number where we said, believe in this Hilton magic. Could have gotten a two. And then all the news goes against you. Hey, not my problem, bub. We had, we got a two here in our pocket. We're not worried about that five that you got to cover. Not our deal. Uh, so hopefully we can give you some good information in here regardless. Griffin, always appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks to Brad and McKenzie in the back. And we will talk to you guys on Sunday.